Welcome to Chicago's Bravest Stories. Today we have Alex Griff. How are you, Alex? Good, Vince. How are you? I'm good. Um, I know you worked yesterday. You were saying about how you guys, uh, I mean, I think everybody's really busy these days, especially, um, you know, working the uh, holiday weekend. Um, how's everything else going? Everything else is going good, man. Tell everybody where you complain. work. Tell everybody where you're a fireman at. Uh, I'm a fireman paramedic in uh, Hazelcrest. Right on the south side there, um, kind of sandwiched in between Harvey, Markham, Country Club Hills. We all uh, work pretty close together. And how long have you been doing that? I have been in Hazelcrest now 10 years full time. Okay. And we kind of wanted to talk to you today um, about your, uh, your side hustle that you got going on. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. So uh, I'm the coordinator for... Uh, Mavis Division 24 CPAT. Um, we started the CPAT there in 2017. And what we kind of saw a need for something on the south side because everything else is kind of up north. Availability is a little skewed. And then we had guys telling us they were traveling, I mean, across the country to get something like last minute. So Put a plan together. Uh, the chiefs of the Mavis Division kind of came up with some budgetary items, and then uh, they put me in play to pretty much organize, plan, and get everything up and running. And then we officially opened in uh, 2017, September of 17. We officially opened, so we're coming up on our three years here. Well, so for people who are listening that aren't familiar with the acronyms, tell us what CPAP and Mabus stand for? All right. So first we'll go with uh, Mabus. Um, that's Mutual Aid Box Alarm System. It's just everything in the state is broken up into these divisions, which uh, ultimately we aid each other in emergencies, fires, medicals, hazmat, interdivisional stuff, whatever the case may be. And they're all broken up across the state. So Mabus 24 is actually one of the larger ones it's made up of 20 fire departments. And then CPAT is Candidate Physical Abilities Test. Um, and that's going to be pretty much, it's a nationally recognized test that if you want to be a career full-time fireman, you have to pass this test. And uh, one kind of like interesting dynamic with the test is what we're starting to see now across at least Illinois is part-time places, contract services, and even some local fire academies are either requiring this test prior to hiring or prior to graduation for the fire academies. So it's pretty interesting the, the dyna dynamic that it's taken on over the past 15 years. Yeah, I think the CPAT test is now the standard um for anybody getting on this job, you you know, most applicants, you have to show up with that card in your hand to even continue the process. Yeah, you know, it's very rare to find fire departments that are running their own physical fitness tests now or physical agility tests. There, there's still a few out there, um, but what you're seeing too is if they, um, they will actually go two routes. They'll say, okay, if you come here with a CPAT test, you're waived and you don't have to take ours. We'll accept it. Or if for some reason you can't get your CPAT, you can't get into a facility, you take our physical agility test and we accept that also. So, But there's very few places that are standalone 
by themselves doing their own physical agility tests at this point. And that, like you said, that's pretty much nationwide. And um, you cannot, some places you can't even sit for an orientation or a written test if you don't show that you've passed that physical ability test somewhere within the last year or two. Well, I know you guys uh, um, were shut down for a while due to the corona and you guys just uh, recently got the okay to, under certain parameters, uh, start testing again. I know that um, Chicago has uh, uh, started a big push. Uh, I guess they're going to be starting a new class and kind of, uh, like, kind of gave you guys the nod to start putting a bunch of guys through. And but you had to adhere to certain parameters, right? And kind of tell people like, basically, some of the hoops you had to jump through to get your business going again. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. And how the CFD is, you know, formed, you know, working with us was a couple, maybe a year ago, we helped the CFD that was kind of in a jam with some crossover paramedics that were going to the fire academy. So we were able to sneak in about 80 of their medics to get them ready for the fire academy. And then everything happened with Corona. Right in the middle of March, we shut down. And we had all of March, all of April, and most of May canceled. And the problem that came up was every one of those days had anywhere from 35 to 50 people scheduled for testing. So no matter what size organization it is, you can guess that that's going to throw a little wrench in there. So CFD reached out and said, hey, we're really in a jam here. You helped us out before. What can you do for us? Here's the number that we're looking to get to you guys. So we sat down on our end and kind of looked at where everything was at with Corona. You know, fortunately, we kind of said, ah, you know what, mid-May, you know, things were starting to slow down a little bit, you know, in the news and, you know, around fire departments. So we had to ultimately put on extra manning per day temperature scans, full disinfecting of every piece of equipment that the candidate and or proctors touched, documented paperwork that the proctors were feeling okay, documented paperwork that the candidates were feeling okay, all the proctors are wearing masks, safety glasses, we have plexiglass that separates candidates from proctors in specific areas that doesn't interfere with the test, of course, but it was it was a big undertaking because as you can imagine from an administrative side of it, our facility holds fire apparatus for those 20 departments in Mavis Division 24. So our biggest concern was, well, hey, what if someone gets sick? What happens with the equipment? What happens if we got to get people in this building to get equipment out? So it was a big, you know, a lot of hoops, not only with the CFD, all the way up to the commissioner's office, but then on my end to the chiefs that ultimately oversee my position and the building that we operate CPAT in. But after a lot of discussion, a full set of kind of rules and regs, policies and procedures, uh, we got the thumbs up to start running again. So we've been back up and running since May 11th. Well, I know that um, the guidelines and protocols that you guys have set forth um, nothing like that existed before. So you guys are kind of the forerunners of this procedure to get back to um, 
you know, testing. And I know that other departments are kind of looking at you guys and saying, hey, what did you guys do? How did you do that? And kind of like leaning on you for help. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's, we were one of the first ones back in the entire country to open again. Um, and this is a International Association of Firefighters and International Association of Fire Chiefs sponsored um, practice, if you will. So the IAFF and the IAFC actually hold our license. So we pay them a fee every year and they say, okay, you guys are good to operate your CPAT. Well, they didn't tell us that we can't run. They just said, this is some recommendations that we have and let us know. There's still places in the country that aren't open. You know, Florida, for example, none of their CPAT centers in Florida are opening. So actually June 1st, I have a Zoom meeting with every CPAT center in Florida and they were giving them a full rundown of our facilities protocols because they, they're pretty busy in their own right with CPAT testing. Um, so they want to see what they need to do to open up. And outside of me working closely with the guys in Florida, a lot of email correspondence back and forth with equipment that we've used, how we set up our disinfectants, so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's been a pretty interesting ride. Um, not only for us, but kind of helping some of these other facilities get uh, going in the right direction. All right. I, I mean, that, I think that's awesome. And, um, you know, uh, I, it's it's kind of a cool thing that you guys are the first people actually getting things back to normal. Uh, I wanted to kind of go with you because you and I kind of have the same, like, ideas on preparation for CPAT. You know, I know you're a, a certified is a level one instructor for CrossFit. Is that right, Alex? Yep, yep and, correct. You know, um, you know, we both have a, a, a background in in fitness, and I know I remember a while back you kind of had a couple videos, um, kind of helping people. Uh, you know, just giving them some basic preparation for the CPAT. Um, you know. What, you know, from somebody who does this all the time and people who are listening who, like, are asking, you know, what do I do for, you know, to get ready for this CPAT? Because it's, it's a tough test. You know, you get 10 minutes to negotiate uh, eight stations. Yep. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, for me, when, you know, we're training people for the CPAT, you know, uh, the first and foremost thing that we do is um, get them acclimated with the stairs. Um, I think that's the biggest hurdle for people who never – have done anything like this before who have no experience with this and just start working on their general fitness. Like where do, where do you stand in as far as preparation for the CPAT? Yeah. So I know right now it's tough. We've been, I mean, the amount of emails and phone calls you've been receiving right now about preparation is overwhelming simply because no one can get to a gym. No one can get to a park. No one can go run stairs anywhere. So right now it's pretty tough, but overall, yeah, event number one sets the pace. Um, I mean, it's three minutes of it is timed, and you're walking at 60 steps a minute. 20 seconds of it is at a warm-up, which doesn't count on your time, and that's at 50 steps a minute, which to pretty much the average person, that's not bad. But the outlier in that is you put on 75 pounds of additional weight for event number one. So you have a 50 pound weight vest, two 12 and a half pound shoulder weights, which makes up your 75 pounds. And if you're not training 
in that type of element or with some type of added weight, it will just, it's going to crush you. There's, unless you're some type of just absolute freak, if you're not doing some type of prep, you're probably not going to come off the Stairmaster. And if you do come off the Stairmaster, you have seven challenging events to go. So, um, and again, I've seen guys that, and gals that have come in there who have popped physical shape that haven't prepped for that portion with 75 pounds of weight on, and they may last 90 seconds to two minutes on the Stairmaster. So the oh, first def- thing that I definitely could suggest- a tough. It's definitely a tough uh, test. You know, that, that the vest is a game changer. Uh, the average yeah, person could get on that, and at 60 steps a minute, you can go 20 minutes on there with no vest. But you throw no the vest and the shoulder weights on there, and now you're hurting for three minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, and you know the other thing is you can't grab the handrails. Right. So you have you're just you're just you're all you're doing is you're just walking on that. So the the first thing that anyone has to do is if you have a your local gym or a park that's got a hill, you have to start changing elevation when you're training. You got to get on stairs. You got to do some hill sprints. You got to any go run bleachers. Anything. Get that part out of the way first, and then you know weight vests are expensive. So, I, I mean, my recommendation is to get a weight vest if you can. But if you look at regular landscaping bricks, they're six pounds each. So you can fit comfortably six pounds or six bricks in a traditional backpack. That's close to 40 pounds. Now, of course, it's not 75 pounds, but you're at least getting a dynamic of I have something on my back. I have something that's uncomfortable. I have something that's kind of affecting my breathing, my posture. So that'll at least give you kind of like a mental and physical mindset of what you're going to do going into event one. Um, th- that is always the number one area that I focus on with most people because uh, I don't want to talk to you about event seven <laughs> if you can't get through event number one. Right. You know? Right. Well, so if, if you're. Yeah, go ahead. If, you, if you're good with event number one and you're sailing through and you're getting to event six, seven, and eight, and you're running out of time, there's so much more that we can do to get you there in a pretty short period of time. But, you know, I tell, I, we got a phone call the other day from someone who said they haven't worked out in 12 months. They really haven't done anything. How much prep time do they need to make sure they pass the CPAP test? And I told them three to five months of very consistent training. Yeah, I, I, much. I get that question a lot um at our uh training facility how long you know how long do i need what is this going to take and it's such a relative question because you got to take into consideration your level of fitness when you start how much time you can put into this you know um you know and everything comes into play nutrition how well you're sleeping you know uh, you know other things all the extracurriculars that you're working on so you know i tell them i'm like i can't give you a time i mean let's plan for the worst. And if, you know, somebody who, you know, you're, you're three to five months, if somebody is, you know, of almost zero fitness, that three to five months, even if they're completely dedicated and, you know, working their ass off, you know, they're, that's, that's a, that's a conservative estimate because when, once you get in the event that you're able to get off the stairs, let's keep in mind that when you come off the stairs, that's the big, that's your first test. 
your legs are going to be jello. You're going to be hurting. You're not going to be able to breathe. And now you have to complete the rest of the test. So you're basically starting your test at seven minutes. So, you know, you have the rest of the test. And for anybody who's listening that's considering uh, challenging the CPAT test, outside of the stairs, and this is just from experience, and when we first started our gym to prep people for CPAT, we didn't, like, even consider this at first because, you know, it was stairs and then our focus was general fitness. If you can get your general fitness to a higher level, you can do pretty well. And there's stuff on your your the CPAT that we don't train people. I don't have to train you how to crawl through a maze. I don't have to train you how to carry the saw, but, you know, I'll, I'll have you carry dumbbells. And everything that we do is if you're going to carry a 25-pound saw, then you're going to carry a 50-pound kettlebell at our gym. Um, but the hammer, if there was one thing outside of the stairs for the average person who's thinking about going into the fire service, most of these people have never lifted a hammer, let alone swung a hammer, and they get to that part. And I don't know if you guys see this by you, but you have somebody who does well on the test. They get to the hammer and they're swinging 20 times. Yeah, that's uh, that's a 10 pound sledgehammer, and it, it's the machine is calibrated to a specific PSI, and you know it just stimulates that you're forcing a door. So, and that's hard to train for because the stim- you can swing a sledge pretty much on anything, but you're swinging at like an over the top motion. You're not swinging it at like when you're striking something. So it's really hard for people to train. So that we do see that sledgehammer strike is one that if anything, it'll just wear you down because it's taking you so long. Yeah. It, it, you know, if you're that, swinging a 10 pound hammer 20 times when you're already gassed, you're, you're running out of time. You know? Yeah. We, we like to, we've seen on the low end, um, six times, you know, that's usually a, you're, you're pretty well-trained, you know, someone who's got some time on the job possibly that, or, you know, it's been in the construction field that knows how to swing a hand, you know, knows how to swing. Um, but we've had people get all the way up into like the forties and you just know, you just know right there that outside of the time aspect, you just have nothing left in your arms, your forearms, because, you still have to drag a 175 pound dummy here shortly after that. So yeah, you haven't even got um, to the dummy and you, and you're definitely going to not have any gas for the ceiling breach. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. So when you're, when you're getting people ready, that first event, you have to set the tone for them and you have to make sure that I, I tell anybody, the best advice that I can give anybody about the CPAT is you need to come off the stairmaster feeling good. Yes. And it takes a lot of time to come off feeling good. I mean, you can't, you know, we kind of use the, we'll use the term sometimes, like we'll see like a, like a baby deer walking on ice. Or uh, we call it we, baby giraffe legs. Yes. Yeah. You <laughs> see that, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll probably understand here probably within the next two, three events, you're, you're out or yeah. you're going to stop, you know? Yeah. So, but if, if you come off that stairmaster and you hit those lines hard and, you know, you make up time at specific points to, alleviate hey if i have to take 20 swings on the sledge i made up some time on this event or that event you know kind of thing so but definitely overall prep is um it's got to be there you can't because 
the big thing is too, Vince, we've had people that come in that have actually, you know, it's not a cheap test either. They'll come in, they paid their money and they'll flat out tell us like, yeah, you know, I've kind of been working out. Yeah. I think I'll be all right. You just know right away. You don't yeah. even, you, you can tell them you don't even have to go on the stairmaster, buddy. Like, <laughs> you, you know, you're good, you know, yeah. but so yeah. the prep has got the time and effort's got to be there. Yeah. It, 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 it definitely is something that you need to plan for. You can't just uh, on a whim show up and do it. Like there are certain techniques, you know, like swinging the hammer and just getting the ability to have some gas left in the tank when you come off those stairs. So important. So important. And, you know, it's a lifestyle for some people who have done nothing. And some people have come to our gym and they have done nothing for 10 years of their life and they're like, hey, I got to pass a CPAT in a month. What can you do for me? Yeah. You know, and it's hard yeah, to undo I, 10 years in one month. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you and I, I feel for some of these places, you know, and the CFD is one of them. Sometimes the CFD can just drop it on you like nothing. Be like, hey, by the way, we need you down at the Quinn here for processing in three weeks, but you need your CPAT. And we've gotten those phone calls before, too, where the candidate's like, I took this test six years ago, right. and I didn't hear anything, and they literally just called me, and they want to start a class in July or August. What do I do? And, you know, we give them some quick tips and tricks over the phone, and we try and get them in the door um, to set them up with, like, a practice or something. So I understand that. But, you know, like what you're saying, when they come to you, one thing that people don't put into play is your recovery time. Yeah. I mean, every, if you start to get older, I mean, I'm some of the workouts that I'm doing, I, I'm only 35. It's taken me three days to kind of feel good again, you know? Yeah. Well, so, I just, I just did Murph and I think it's going to take me a month and a half to recover. I'm sitting here right now in the chair and I'm not in a good place right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. That'll, that'll, that one will definitely be one to do it to you. But, uh, yeah, so I, I do feel for those people that kind of have to do it, like, right here, right now. But if that's the field that you truly want to be in and there's the possibility that that call may come, you just have to maintain some level of fitness because yeah. you have to have some type of base. If you have zero base, like you said, it's going to be really hard for you to, unfortunately, get through this test. Yeah, and, you know let's not forget that, yeah, okay, you got, let's say you managed to fight your way through CPAT um, just out of sheer determination. And a lot of the CPAT, I've seen people who were horribly unfit, but just because they were too stubborn and too stupid to quit, get through just out of sheer determination. And if that's the case, hats off to you. You know, that's great mentality. But you're going to the academy Um, and you're, you know, if you're going to Chicago, you got six months of working out, you got six months of PT, six months of, you know, of you getting up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning and, you know, going at it hard. You're, you're going to pay the price at, at, you know, once you get to the Academy. So if you can stay ahead of your fitness and show up to your Academy with some sense of it, you're going to be in a much better place. You're going to be way ahead of the game as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, when it comes to the CPAT, when, you know, I got people who are having trouble with it and they just want to talk to me on the phone about it, I said, yeah, it's real simple. Don't stop. 
Don't stop. Yep. Don't quit. Keep going. And of course, it's easier said than done. But when it comes to the time where you're going to put the hammer down or you're going to stop to catch your breath, that time adds up over the course of those eight evolutions. You know, and yeah. how many times do you see people who fail, like, you know, with two seconds, you know, fail with, you know, three seconds left? You know, you wish you had that time back where you didn't stop. Yeah, and that we see it all, like, literally ceiling breach and pull. One pull left, time goes. And, you know, it's such a hard stop and it's such a hard standard. You know, there's, hey, the sorry, there's nothing we can do. And on the other end, as proctors, we're not allowed to motivate the candidate. We have specific instructions that we tell the candidate during the test, but we are not allowed to motivate them. So, you know, because they got to, if you're going to motivate one, you got to motivate the other. If someone hears you motivating, well, why didn't they push me? You know, so we, we have a hard and fast rule that there's zero of that communication. But there have been times that I have literally been screaming in my head <laughs> at people, like, because they don't know their time. And I can't tell them their time and the proctors can't tell them their time. And I just want to be like, you need to keep moving and you're going to pass, but you keep stopping with the dummy. And now you have to generate movement of 165 pound object. You're just, you got to keep moving. So exactly like if you're training or if you're listening, just keep going. Even if you are moving at a crawl, you're still moving and you're still covering ground. You know, because the clock doesn't stop. If you stop, I don't pause the timer. If you fall down, I don't pause the timer. The clock never stops until either you pass or you run out of time. Yeah. So, yeah, that is definitely a good piece of advice. Is uh, You know, and I, one of the things that I tell people that I know are struggling is, listen, this is a 10-minute test. 10 minutes literally for 30 years of an excellent, one of the greatest professions in the world. 10 minutes. That's all you need. Like, let's go. You yeah. know, stop messing around and, and get moving you oh. there's there's very little things that you can't endure for 10 minutes and when it's all done go out in the parking lot and throw up you know yep. that you're going to throw up knowing that you passed the test but um that that motivating people to not stop it you know when we, we do so much work with training uh, you know on the stairs with vests and you know um, long endurance workouts and circuit training and stuff like that. But if somebody can get the mentality that they're not going to quit, that this job means something to them and it's, you know, it boils down to how bad do you want it? And when you break through to that candidate or, you know, um, that member and you get to that point where they just won't quit that's a way more valuable currency than, you know, I, I don't care if somebody comes in and they can deadlift 300 pounds. It means nothing yep. to me. I'd rather have, you know, the 100-pound person walk in the gym and attempt 100 pounds and just not stop or, you know, not stop during a circuit workout or something like that. That's way more valuable because that's going to carry on to your, your academy. It's going to carry on through... Um, far past the academy. So, you know, yeah, when, when you see that proven. come through, that's way more valuable. Yeah, and it's proven just overall, you know, and this could take us down a whole different road, but, you know, the health and wellness aspect of it within the fire services, that can just extend your career and your longevity. And it starts when you start training for the CPAC, because, again, you can't get a job without it these days. And uh, 
I was pretty surprised to hear that some part-time organizations are requiring it of their new hires. But then, you know, that employer is still investing time and money in that person. So I can see why they want it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, and as far as like the fire ground goes with the weight that you're carrying, the movements that you're using, you know, it's pretty realistic to what 10 to 15 minutes on a bottle could be like at a fire. It really is to where you're opening a roof, going in and overhauling, doing a search, overhauling, you know, it's just, there's so many things that it actually really relates to on the fire ground that, um, it's, it's a, it's a valid, it's a valid test. Yeah. Um, is there, I thought I was seeing, I think Texas or somebody is, they want to, they get, you have some other group that's trying to validate their own tests. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah. You know what? There was, I don't know the exact, like there's like an acronym that they have going, but, uh, I know there was one out of California that was, has recently been kind of competing with the CPAT, but, um, you know, there's, a lot of avenues for them to go through to make it to what the CPAT test is like. So, but as far as like the details are, you know, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with it. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, uh, just wanted to, uh, wrap up here with talking about you a little bit. Um, uh, tell us about your first fire, Alex. Oh, well, I was, uh, you know, one of those ones that you never really forget. Um, I was actually working, as a part-time firefighter with the Dixmore Fire Department. And this was, they're no longer an entity, but this was 2004, 2005, raised ranch, um, heavy fire in the rear, kind of had like a, uh, a Florida room off the back. And, and how long have you been a fireman rig. at this point? Uh, 16 years. 16 years? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So 2000, ended 2003, beginning of 2004 was when I got done with uh, the fire academy. Okay. So, yeah, it was just a typical raised ranch right through the front door to the rear of the house and inch and three quarters, pretty quick job, but it was one that, uh, you know, you never forget that first time you, you crawl through a house like that. So. And you, you were on the pipe that day? I was. Oh, I was. So lucky. That Sometimes was, it's better to be lucky, be, huh, Alex? Yeah, no better place to be. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much. We uh, uh, just, you know, wanted to touch base with you real quick under these, uh, you know, these times and kind of see what you're up to. And uh, we'll have you in here and let's get a, you know, we'll have a full podcast uh, on you. But in the meantime, how can somebody who wants to get a hold of you, who wants to schedule a test, how do they go about that? So two Two pretty quick ways. You can either contact us via phone, which our uh, our easiest line is 708-607-2728. And if you actually look at a phone, that 2728 spells out CPAT. Um, <laughs> it was kind of cool that we were able to do that. And then the other way, the quickest way that I'll usually be able to get back to just because either I'm at the firehouse or doing something with CPAT is info at Mabus. 24cpat.org and uh, I'll usually always respond within you know a couple hours if you email us and then you can all you know we got Facebook is Mavis24cpat Instagram is at Mavis24cpat we answer all those messages uh, pretty quickly as well okay well awesome Alex keep up the great job 
Um, thank you for everything you're doing. Stay safe, and uh, let's go grab that beer soon. All right, Vince. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to uh, getting a little bit more in depth with you. And uh, yeah, definitely look forward to having a couple uh, cocktails with you. All right, Alex. Take care. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you. Okay. Bye bye.